you how this goes this morning. I'm going to be juggling a little bit because I'm going to read from a translation of the Bible I don't normally read from, but I want to kind of establish something. So we're still, through this whole year, talking about expanding our hearts. We're going to continue throughout the year, uh, weave in and out on this subject about expanding our hearts towards people. But for the next several weeks, we're going to talk about expanding your hearts in what you believe about what Jesus has done. So some of our expansion of our life, as we talk about and we looked at it in Psalms, forgot our verse, like a 119, 112, when it says, I will commit to following the course of the word of God. And Lord, I know you will expand my heart. So whenever we commit to following what scripture says and letting scripture be the final, ultimate, and primary authority of our life. When we do that, that expands our heart. And an aspect of the expansion of our heart is it's going to expand our heart um, into, how do I say this, proper and accurate beliefs, right? Proper. And some of that is, is like, and, and I'm excited about this, so let me just do a little bit of a preamble here. I really, like last week, you'll get a lot out of today if we have a conversation, right? Last week was was awesome. With all the conversations that happened about what we talked about last week, we're going to continue in the same vein. It just kind of really led by the Spirit to do that. So please, at any time during our, our conversation today, if you have a question, if you want to make a comment, if you do it, this is, you're not interrupting me. I truly, this is what I enjoy the most. But some of this, as we talked about, about, and we're going to continue along the line of we are free from our sin, that how many know that that's a a foreign belief to a lot of people? Anybody can agree with that. That's a foreign belief. You maybe didn't hear that in church. Anybody, right? I see some people shaking. Yeah, they didn't. So when you allow scripture then to expand your heart, it might take you into some stuff that you can see in scripture, but you never heard that before. Right, you've never heard what Scripture actually says. I mean, I remember uh, one of the things the Holy Spirit led me when we lived in Canada to say one time, and I, I was witnessing, if you will. We all know what that word means. I was just sharing Jesus with somebody, and he looked at me and he says, "Well, Brad, I don't believe in God." And out of my mouth, before I could stop myself, it was, it was from my heart, not my head. I said, "Well, tell me about the God you're talking about," and there's a good chance I don't believe in Him either. So first we've got to define who we're talking about. And you tell me about the God you think I'm talking about, and we'll see if we're talking about the same person. And so he started talking about a God that does not appear in the Bible. And I would say, you know what? I don't believe in him either. Let me tell you about who I believe in. And I began to tell about who Jesus actually is, what Jesus actually did, and what that actually did for humanity. And guys, every time I've, I've genuinely told the true gospel to people, even here in Alabama, where we all probably grew up in church, to a soul, I've had this, this phrase repeated to me, both men and women, all ages, I've never heard that before. Anybody ever had that experience beside me? You start telling about who Jesus is and what he actually did from Scripture, not from Brad's opinion, not from doc, denominational or doctrinal opinion, but from the truth of Scripture. I've had people say, I've never heard that before, and I've been amazed how many people that we live with, they haven't heard the gospel yet. It's crazy. 
I mean, they, they've been to church their whole life. They've never heard the actual truth of the gospel. They've heard a tradition of men. They've heard a denominational philosophy. They've heard what some people have interpreted, but they didn't see the whole thing. So when I say this about expanding your heart, part of expanding your heart is you're going to need to let God take you into the word fresh and anew and actually see things for what God intended them to be and allow yourself that if that bumps up against a tradition you've always heard and it's different, you have to be willing to let your heart expand in a new area. Does, does that make sense? And what I mean by that is this, is as we talk about the truth that you have been freed from your sin, you have to let your heart expand to a life that is free from sin. Which I know that sounds funny because everybody's like, well, of course, Brad. But I, like I tell, I've never seen people fight so hard as Christians who will fight you to hang on to their sin. Mm-hmm. Or to the thought that they're a sinner. Or to the thought that they're a sinner. Does that make sense? Right. And the reason why is, is that if we fight and hang on to either this idea that I can't help it, I'm just a sinner, right? Then what we do is, is that we give ourselves an excuse for sinful living. Because, oh, well, I can't help it, right? We all make mistakes, right? Y'all look at me kind of funny. <laughs> right, we all. So let's talk about this. this. Does this make sense? So I'm going to read one verse out of New King Jimmy. And then I'm going to jump over to the Passion Translation, right? So Romans chapter 6, verse number 4, it says, Therefore, we were buried with him, and that's Jesus, through baptism into death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. So everybody say newness of life. We should walk in newness of life. I love that phrase. Guys, do you realize that there is a new way of living for us as Christ followers? Mm-hmm. It's a new, it's a whole new thing of life. And one of the aspects of newness of life is it's a new concept to think I am sin free. Mm-hmm. How many of you, you be honest with me, you say, Brad, I, I'm going to back up and say like this. I'm going to throw an idea at you. Tell me if this is startling or new to you. That from this moment forward, from today, right now, it's 1145 a.m. on, on not September, on April the 11th. I was thinking about my brother's birthday, my birthday, and got confused. Mm -hmm. But on April the 11th, 2021, so from this minute forward, you never have to sin ever again. How many of that's kind of new? That you can live a life absolutely, completely, and utterly free from sin. How many of that's intriguing? Mm-hmm. But like, I <laughs> <laughs> no, no, huh? I mess up like a lot, so like I mean, I mess like, up a lot. It, like, that's, Appreciate that's you being not, honest. Yeah. No, honestly, <laughs> I'm a messed up person. So no. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a messed up person. Well, you know, the, the thing, honey, that it is, is that when we sit there and say those kind of things, we have to sit there and say, well, the reason why is because we don't believe what I'm about to read to us. Because for years, I was the same way. I struggled with stuff, 
because I believe I had to struggle with stuff. Mm-hmm. That that was just all part and parcel of being human. And that that's, the that's, just, that's the fight of faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to battle this thing out mm-hmm. until Jesus comes back. Because mm-hmm. listen to me, like I told you last week, the only way Jesus could free us from our sins is he had to free us from our sins. It's the only way he could do it. The only way he could set us free from sin is he had to set us free from sin. Amen. Isn't that exciting? How many of you that changes your concept about Christian living just a little bit? How many of you that inspires you to holiness and righteous living just a little bit more? It does. And, that, and, and that's what it's supposed to do. Right? That's the whole point of the exercise. Was he freed us from this thing so we could be freed unto righteous and holy living. How many of you have ever heard, heard you got to struggle to be holy? Anybody ever heard that before? It's this fight. Right? No, it's not. Does that make sense? How many of you are struggling... Um, to, I can look around the room here. How many of you are, are struggling to be a woman? Anybody here struggling? <laughs> You're just struggling to be a woman. Anybody struggling to be a woman around here? Come on. Be honest. Now we're in church. Anybody struggling? You're just struggling. No, because those of you that are women, you have no problems being a woman. And those of us that are men, we know that we're men. So I'm not struggling to be a woman because I ain't one. <laughs> Do I now? <laughs> What'd you say? No, I'm not struggling to be a woman because I'm not one. Yeah. No, no, I'm not one. I am not. How many of you? Okay, let's back. How many of you can look at me and understand Brad is not a woman? Let's make sure we're on the same page. Y'all understand that, right? I am not a, I am not a woman. So therefore, am I struggling to be one? Why am I not struggling to be one? Because I am not one. All of you ladies that are here, are you struggling to be women? Why? Because you are one. Do you see? It's the same thing. You don't have to struggle to not sin because you're no longer a sinner. You are not one. And you no longer have to struggle to be righteous because you are. You under, and again, this is a whole other conversation for a whole other day. Now you understand why there's such controversy around gender issues. Because mm-hmm. if he can attack absolute truth and identity, he knocks us off completely. Remember, the real struggle in life is a struggle for identity. Yes. Right? It's one of the, the biggest questions of humanity is who am I and why am I here? Right? And that's why you see all around us all today, what are people's biggest questions? Who am I and why am I here? That's why the devil goes after it so hard and tries to create confusion in this stuff. Because when you understand what you are and therefore understand what you are not, you now no longer struggle in life. Because you understand, oh, I are a man. Therefore, I am not a woman. Therefore, I don't have to struggle about what I am and can't do. Does that? Mm-hmm. So when you understand that you're no longer a sinner if you believed in Jesus, 
you are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, then you no longer have to struggle with sin and you no longer have to struggle with righteousness. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. That is a new kind of living. How many of you would like Christianity to just be a whole lot easier? (laughs) Oh, for real? That's an honest and sincere question. Yes. Yes. Well, that's what we're talking about today. At this baseline level, it's about living an an easier, quote-unquote, Christian life. Because you were actually made for this. Mm -hmm. You were actually made into this. You no longer have to struggle. I remember when we were living in Canada, there was a guy who came and he became a real dear friend, still is a dear friend of mine, became part of our board and just an integral part of the church. His, His name's Tyler Dyke. And the first time I had coffee with Tyler, I'm sitting there and Tyler was struggling with his Christianity. And again, I wish I could take credit for this. It's just by, again, the Spirit of God. But I just remember looking at him going, Tyler, I need you to stop trying to be a Christian and just be one. And he kind of, and we moved on down the road. But years later, he came back to me and says, Brad, that changed my life forever. Because somebody finally said, just be who you are. Quit trying so hard. Just be that. Does that make sense? So I'm going to read now, and we're going to do a little bit. I want to endeavor in the time that we have this morning to make it through Romans chapter 6 and 7 and the first portions of chapter 8. Right, And I'm just going to read them, but I'm going to read them from the Passion Translation because when I was getting ready this week, I was reading as kind of part of my study habits are. I go to different translations and I came to this one and I just like the way, I mean, to me, whoever did this, they nailed it right smack on the head. It was just awesome. So I'm just going to read it. But through this, again, if you have questions, ask them, right? I'll stop periodically and, and I'll share my thoughts on some of this, but I want you to ask questions. Okay. All right. So Romans chapter, y'all moving away from a vent? Is it cold over there? All right. Well, I mean, I'm afraid to turn it off because then it's going to get hot in here. Okay, so maybe, maybe I'll, the vents will push y'all to the middle. I don't know. Maybe. Well, but anyway, Romans chapter 6, verse number 1. So again, I'm reading the Passion Translation. So what do we do then, Paul says? Do we persist in sin so that God's kindness and grace will increase? And I love this. What a terrible thought. You, you awake on me there? Okay. What a terrible thought. And I've actually heard people say that they, before. And they, you know, like I've heard other people like say almost mm-hmm. exactly that. Absolutely. And I'm like, that, doesn't, that sounds really spiritual, but it doesn't sound that is not. It's not right. <laughs> Remember, a lot of stuff sounds spiritual. It's just really stupid. <laughs> right. Just because it sounds spiritual doesn't mean it is, right? But it says, so again, we read it again since we dropped the phone. Um, So what do we do then? Do we persist in sin so that God's kindness and grace will increase? What a terrible thought. We have died to sin, I love this, once and for all. As a dead man passes away from this life, so how could we live under sin's rule a moment longer? Yeah. They stop at one verse. 
Well, it's so funny. We're, we're going to read through because this is one of my, I had a screaming fit the other day with Audra. I forgot we were in the car. We, we, we were listening to somebody. Oh, we were listening to, I'm just going to name him. Okay. And I'm sorry. I, I was listening to Craig Rochelle, pastor out in Oklahoma, and he was going, and, and I thought a lot of Craig Rochelle. I still think a lot of, except for this area, but he's reading through these passages. And my biggest beef you're going to get to is people read through chapter seven and they stop before the last verse of the entire chapter. And they walk through and walk through and walk through and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and he ends like everyone classically does with people stuck in sin. And I just went off on the radio. I did. I just totally, I said, read the last verse. All you have to do is read one more verse and you unlock Paul's thoughts. So don't stop short. So as you're on reading your own Bible, remember the Bible wasn't written in chapters and verses. It was written like a letter, right? As a continuous thought that reads on, right? We only put it in chapters and verses to help it to be easy for us to find stuff. That's all it's there for is for reference. So the chapters and the verses were not inspired by the Holy Spirit. They were stuck in by people to help you navigate the Bible a little bit better. It's exactly right. Yeah, the, I would agree with that. The best and worst thing that could have happened to the Bible is they broke it into chapters and verses, right? But anyway, so he goes on. He says, so how should we live under sin's rule a moment longer? Or have you forgotten that all of us who were immersed into union with Jesus, the anointed one, were immersed into union with his death? Sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were co-buried with him so that when the Father's glory raised Jesus from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. Amen. For since we are permanently grafted into Jesus to experience a death like his, then we are permanently grafted into him to an experience a resurrection like his and the new life that it imparts. Praise God. Mm -hmm. Amen. Again, so how many of you here, you've believed in Jesus' death? Mm -hmm. How many of you have believed in Jesus' resurrection? Mm -hmm. So then you were co-buried with him in water baptism and you were co-resurrected with him by the power of the Holy Spirit that came and lived on the inside of you. So that you could share his death, which paid for your sin, but so that you could also share his life. So let me ask you the question I asked you last week. How sinful is Jesus right now today? So then if you're sharing in his life, how sinful are you? Zero. Hallelujah. Mm. Y'all should get real excited about that. That is really awesome. Amen. Zero. Huh? We're going to have to meditate on that one a bit, Miss Teresa, right? Because we're told for so long that we're not. And I hope by the end of this morning we'll read through this. And a lot of questions that we say will be clearer for everybody. Right? But let's keep reading. Is this okay so far? Yes. For since we are permanently grafted into him to experience the death like his, and we are permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection like his and the new life that this imparts. Could, I love this. Could it be any clearer? Yeah, verse number six here. And again, I'm reading in the Passion Translation. If you're following on your phone and you've got, uh, if you've got that uh, 
Bible app that's out there, whichever one it's called. What's that Bible app called? Bible Gateway, if you look at it. Top right, yeah, the U version. That's it, the U version. Yeah, and, and Craig Russell made the U version. Again, we, we are full of contradictions, we are. So, uh, so if you want to go to, your, go to your phone, you can go to your app store, you can get the U version of the Bible. It's free. You can download it. You can open it up. Uh, again, the Wi-Fi here is uh, it's like Spectrum 18 something or other, 5G and 2G, either one you want. The password is TerrificBook346 if you want to download that now if you don't have it. And you can follow along with me in the Passion Translation. But here it says in verse 6, Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? Mm. Hallelujah. What was your former identity? What was your former identity? I was a sinner. My former identity was I was a son of the first Adam. I was a son born into sin by first Adam. That was my former identity. But that Brad died with Jesus. And a new Brad was resurrected from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit living in me. For we were co-crucified with him to, now I love this, we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us so that we would not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. Praise God. Not one moment longer do you have to be submitted to sin's power. Again, now here's the big if, if you're a genuine believer of Jesus. Now here's the other great thing. If you're not a genuine believer of Jesus, that's fixable. Yes. (laughs) It's what you step into. Does that make sense? Now look at this verse 7. Obviously a dead person is incapable of sinning. I love that. Have you ever seen a dead dude sin? No, because he's dead. Mm -hmm. You died with Christ. I love that. That's awesome. You're a dead person. Obviously a dead person is incapable of sinning. And if we were co-crucified with the anointed one, we know that we also share in the fullness of his life. And we know that since the anointed one, who is Jesus, has been raised from the dead to die no more, his resurrection life has vanquished death and its power over him is finished. For by his sacrifice, he died to sin's power once and for all. Hallelujah. How many times? For how long? Amen. So he died to sin's power once and for all, but he now lives continuously for the Father's pleasure. How many of you want to please God? Can I inspire you with something? It's a whole lot easier than you've ever imagined. Say this with me. Say it's easy to please God. Say it with me. Say it's easy to please God. He's easy to please. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad that he's easy to please? Aren't you glad that he is not easily offended? Aren't you glad he is not easily run off? I love it. I love what Andrew Walmart says. And aren't you glad he's not even in a bad mood towards you? <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Amen. He's easy to please. Yes. Oh, man. I would now you're a whole other message series, Audra. Does that now mean that we should be easy to please? Yes. For the love of Jesus. If we could just be more, which we are like him, aware of that and be easy. Again, the Bible says that he is easy to be entreated. Carl says you're not easy to please. Well, you know what? You can be. That's the great thing. We should all be at the place where we're easy to please. Right? And, and, you know, and if I can speak to this a little bit, sometimes when we're not easy to be pleased, right, it's because we, we think we're struggling with him. Right? Normally, I'm not easy. It, it, it's back to identity, Right? I think God is that way, so therefore I should be that way. Huh? Still an identity issue. Remember, identity always starts with with Him. We have to first establish His identity. Who is He? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so you said that um, it should be easy for us to please. Yeah. Does that mean that um, we should be pleased with other people's wrong actions? That's a great question. It does. It does. Very good. I love that. So should we just be pleased with people's wrong actions? Well, no, not necessarily. I mean, if I walked up to you, and what's your name again, sweetie? I'm sorry. Peyton. Peyton. So Miss Peyton, if I walked up to you and smacked you across the face, (laughs) I just reached over there and just slapped you real good. Right. You're not going to be pleased with that. (laughs) Right. Does that make sense? And you're not going to go, well, Brad, I just, that just, thank you. That was just (laughs) amazing. Right. There. (laughs) So we're not talking about necessarily that. I'm talking about um, that I don't then, how do I say this, Holy Spirit? Is I don't then take my identity from my wrong. Don't take your identity from my wrong action. Does that make sense? Don't sit there and say, if I just walked up and, and slapped you, right? What we tend to do is, is we take on this thing of, I deserved that. That has something to do with me. Instead, again, we all have that question, right? Why do bad things happen to good people? Right? The re- huh? Well, like we're weak. Well, what happens is, is that there's bad people. Bad things. Now, this is kind of come up. Bad things happen because there's still people who are under the influence of sin and a sinful nature, and they do wicked things. They do evil stuff. If someone who is evil does something evil to me, does that make me evil? No, that's just them. And so many times what can help is, and I see that Hamish, so I just hold that question. It's, it's a good one. You know, I've had to, again, can I just be real transparent with you guys? You know, Selena and I have had that. Uh, we had a situation with her stepdad that was there through, through the divorce <laughs> and different stuff that was going on. And, and people ask me, Brad, how do you handle the hurt and the disappointment and the stuff that went on. And I said, well, the only example that has helped me is, is how many of you have ever met a blind person? Anybody ever known a blind person, someone who's blind, they can't see? Do you get mad at them when they run into the wall? No. Do you get mad at them when they run into you? No. No. Why? Because they can't help it. They're blind. So why do we do that with sinful people? 
Why do we do that with sinful people who, who they are blind to the life of God? They are alienated from the life of God. There is no good that dwells in them. And they just go and do what is their former identity if they're, or their current identity if they're a non-believer. And we get mad. Now, that doesn't mean we roll over and take abuse. Now, please hear me real clear. But at the same time, I stand back and go, oh, yeah, they're sinful. Why did they do that? Because they're sinful. That's just, that's what sinful people do. Sinful people do sinful stuff. They're sinful. It helps me understand, oh, that's what I'm dealing with. I'm dealing with a sinful person. That has nothing to do with me. That's their sin. Yeah. 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 It can. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It's them. It is, and it and, and that's why I would encourage and and again I know this is all kind of. If I was just a low down, rotten, no good SOB, right? Now I'm not, but let's just pretend I was, <laughs> right? And that was me. And there's nothing wrong with my wife. She can still love me and talk to my children and say, "Remember, guys, your daddy's just a low down, rotten, no good SOB. He's just not saved." Mm-hmm. That's why we pray for daddy. That's why at times we may have to put distance from daddy. At times we may have to put a restraining order on daddy. (laughs) At times we may have to call the popo to come help daddy out because daddy is just a sinner and he's doing what sinful people do. And it helps us know how to, does this, to not take it as, don't take it personal. Don't take it like, don't take it as your identity. Don't take it on as you. Yes, I has got a question, but Miss Teresa came yes. first. So hold on. Miss Teresa, this is great. We may not make it through Romans 6, but we'll see what happens. Go ahead. Uh-huh. We won't. Well, Miss Eloise is like, we won't. Is that all right, Miss Eloise? <laughs> yes, ma'am. That's right. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Well, and, and what helps us deal with unsaved people, and this is, now for some of us, this is going to be harder than others, depending on where you came from. This is some of that. If you were radically transformed by Jesus, like if you look at your life and you go, yeah, I was a dirty, rotten, no good scoundrel, and Jesus saved me, there is this whole, wow, I was changed. For some of us who were brought up into church, it's, it's hard to sometimes reconcile that I was just as much a rotten, no good, dirty scoundrel that didn't do anything. <laughs> Does that make sense? But I was still just as sinful. I was still just as wicked. I was still just as evil. I was still, please hear me real good. When we talk about this freedom from sin, I'm talking about because of the person in the work of Jesus. Right? Pre-Jesus or without Jesus Scripture teaches us that I am desperately wicked and in need of the Savior. Mm -hmm. Paul actually tells us 
that the most wicked of all people talking of himself. Remember, Paul called himself, I was the chief of all sinners. I was number one at being bad. He says, I was the, the chief sinner. But what Paul tells us in some enlightening stuff with his testimony is not because he killed the church, even though he admitted, I persecuted the church, I murdered the church, I unjustly killed God's people. He admits to that, but then he goes around and he says, but I did it innocently. I killed them gently, right? I mean, I was, I killed them nicely. I, I mean, I was thought I was helping, right? I thought I was doing God a service. I did it from ignorance. I did it. The actual sin Paul was talking about when he says, I was the chief of all sinners because I thought I was righteous on my own. He actually tells us the chief sin is when you believe I was born to the right people group to the right subsect of that people group. I had the right ceremonies done on the right day at the right time. I went to the right Bible school under the right person. I got the right position. I joined the right club. This, this sounds a lot like some of our stuff today. Yeah. Guys, listen to me. Can I just be bold enough to say the most wicked and chief of sinful people in our culture are not the homosexuals. Exactly. It's those who think they are right with God on their own. Self-righteousness is the chief sin. Because how can you actually redeem someone who genuinely believes they are right on their own without God? Does, do you, and so some of this, it'll help us understand because we're on this big campaign in the Christian world against a group of people who hear me. Please hear me. Homosexuality is evil and wicked and wrong. Just as much as adultery is, just as much as fornication, and all fornication means is sex with somebody before you're married, right? All of, the, all of these things are sexual immorality. They're wrong, right? But the chief sin is if I actually believed I could make myself right to God by myself. Just by doing the right. I don't need, because basically... Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Self. Does that make sense? So to help us biblically define, and even some of this is, is the chief of all sin is self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is exhausting because it's all based on what you have done. That's exactly right. And so I feel like mm-hmm. so many times the reason why people have so many things like wrong mm-hmm. problems, yeah. you know, is because they're like exhausted because they think, Oh, well, yeah, I'm right, but it's because I did X, Y, Z, and X, Y, Z, and X, Y, Z. And then the moment that something goes wrong and those things are not, they're not capable to complete those, whatever they've set up for themselves That's right. or that goes away or something happens, then they're like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Because, you know, they can't, they're not right. right. That's right. You know? and, and again, it is. So, so Miss Peyton had another question. Yeah. How would you deal with that, like the Christian like way? Would you just like ignore them, or like you like, like what would you say to them? Like if someone, so so say that one more time. So someone who is mean to you. Like like you have the reference like what is your last name? Gotcha. How would you respond to that? Would you be like, <coughs> like go off on them, or like, ignore them? Like how would I? Do oh, gotcha. So somebody, I walk across the room, I slap Miss Peyton on the face. How does she respond to me? <laughs> well, well, number one, I would probably take a big step back and give myself some distance from said individual. <laughs> Right. Remember, distance is okay. 
looking at somebody and saying, don't ever do that ever again is okay. Boundaries are totally wonderful and okay. Right? Looking at people say, you touch me again. And I'm going to call the police. I'm going to get a big stick. I'm going to do something, right? Please. <laughs> Remember the whole turning the other cheek is for the sake of the gospel. Right? Not for the sake of self-defense. When Jesus says, turn the other cheek, give them some, he's talking about it in reference to the gospel. If I preach to you the gospel and you strike me because I preach to you the good news, then I should be like Christ and I should turn myself and say, why don't you go ahead and take another shot because the gospel's still true. Your anger against the gospel doesn't change the truth of the gospel. But you walking up and taking a poke at me because you're a bully, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defend myself. And that's okay. I mean, can I just be real, just a little bit of pause in the sermon? This is what we told our kids. It was Sophia when they were little, right? And one of the sweet church ladies at our church in Canada came up and said, Pastor Brad, I just, I, Sophia said something, and I know you could have never have said this. I know you could have never told her this, but she apparently cold-cocked one of the kids. And, he was being annoying. And, and, and <laughs> she totally decks this kid in kids' church, right? Pastor's kid just pow takes him out, and so I, I thought, well, let's let's find out what's going on. What's going on? And this is what I told him, and and I walked her through. I said, well, I said, Sophia, did you tell this person to stop? She goes, yes, I did. What you said, I stuck my hand out. And I said, stop, don't do that. And what they do? She said, they came at me again. I said, okay. Well, did you go to the teacher? And the teacher standing right there. Well, yeah, she came to me. I said, okay. So you went to the proper authority. Did the proper authority step in and shield you? Well, no, and both of them admitted. Teacher said, no, I didn't. She said, no, teacher didn't. I said, okay, then I, I told you to do what's step three. She said, smack them in the nose as hard as you can. <laughs> so, so, so it's, it, but that's what I said to my kids. The first thing you do is, hey, boundary distance, stop, right? You come at me again, hey, who's the proper authority? Mom, dad, police officer, teacher, there's someone in authority. I'm going to go to the proper authority. And they, because the scripture says authority is given as a shield and a defense for the protection of what we know is right. If proper authority fails to do what they're supposed to do, take them out. Right. Yes. Miss Emma. Just... Can you just skip that? No, you always, I always tell my kids, keep doing, you always walk through this. But no, if you're talking about somebody and you've gone to the authorities and again, and parents, I'll just say what I told my kids, right? Because this gets confusing, right? God does not want, everybody say, God does not want you to be a doormat. God does not want you to be a doormat. God never wants you to be abused. Right. So this applies to bullies. This applies to abusive spouses. This applies to all kinds of stuff. Right. You set boundaries. You go to proper authorities. But sometimes you have to you have to call. I mean, Chris Long is in the back. You have to call the police and say, Chris, I need you to come arrest this person or do whatever They're You know, I need to get a restraint. All of those things are still acts of love. They are still you are not outside of walking in love. Does that make sense? Again, and I know this is a different, it's Jesus. Think about the premeditative actions of Jesus that day. 
Jesus walks into the temple. Now, let me, let me back up because y'all have heard about Jesus whipping people and flipping tables. Jesus didn't just walk in and go postal on folks. He just didn't walk in and lose his stuff and just go all crazy. Right? This is what was going on so you understand. When people traveled to Jerusalem for Passover, which is where this was happening, some people came from a great distance and they could not bring a sacrifice because the animal wouldn't have survived the journey. So God in his law allowed them the option to purchase and gave clear instruction to those at those festivals to sell sacrifices at the right price so that everyone could come and worship God and no one would be excluded. So what people were doing is they were coming in and they were bringing in sacrifices and they were jacking up the price exorbitantly and excluding people from the opportunity to worship their God. Jesus walks in and looks and goes, oh no, Mm -mm. not here. Jesus takes time to sit back and make a whip. And, and this is Brad's sanctified imagination. I think Jesus is braiding this whip and he's just looking at the scene. I'm going to start over there and, I, and I'm going to work myself this way. right? And Jesus formulates a plan, whips it up. I think of Jesus being Jesus. He said, uh, if you don't want a whipping, you best repent or run. You got two options. And Jesus started laying into people. But he was... <laughs> But he started, but he, he stood back and he, and he started laying in, he started laying into people for discipline's sake. Does that make sense? It was very calculated, very pointed, and for a very direct purpose. All of those things are expressed because everything Jesus did, he did as an act of love. Even whipping people and driving them out of the temple, that was a complete expression of love. Well, well, here's, well here was the reaction. I don't know what the people there's reactions were. Ah, they, you know, they were going, ah, you know. But the disciples said when they saw it happen, they remembered a prophecy. And it says, oh, when Messiah comes, his house will be a house of prayer. We say it like this. He would make his house a place of pure worship where all could come, all could be welcome, all could talk to God. No one would be excluded. And when they looked at it, they saw it as a purifying, holy thing, not just, again, Jesus snapping. Yes, ma'am. No, you're good. You're good. No, uh No. We shouldn't punish people for their sins. This is exactly right. Yes, exactly right. You're not there to punish people's sins. Okay. Right. You, I'm talking about you defending yourself. That's vengeance. The whole, well, I'm going to now, you did this to me, so now I'm going to step in and make you pay for the wrong you did to me. Yes, absolutely. The best thing you can do is pray for them. Best thing you can do. I mean, really, and now here's where it gets a little where we have to expand our heart, right? Is, is, so now I'm going to just use you as an example, Miss Peyton. All right, so Miss Peyton's there. Brad comes up, pow, pops her across the face, right? Miss Peyton puts some distance in there. Miss Peyton says, don't ever do that again. 
right? Don't ever, and miss, she put some boundaries and some proper stuff in place. And then she begins to say, pray for Brad, Lord, that help change that rotten, sorry scoundrel's heart, right? But then she said, and show me what to do to do good for him. How do I, how do I do good? Now, that doesn't mean you have to become BFFs. That doesn't mean we now come together at Thanksgiving and hold hands and make s'mores and sing Kumbaya, right? But you do sit there and say, okay, Lord, how you are good to all, how can I be good to them? And that might be good from a distance. That might be good from somewhere else. But how can I do good to those who spitefully use me, who persecute me, who do, how am I good to them? Because I am a child of my Father in heaven. Right? Uh, yes. Is it that I, I guess I've had things happen to me in my past, and I step back and I'm like, come on, come on. Yeah. Yeah, so. Well, it does. So, so, so now remember what we call karma is, is, um, is an actual spiritual law. That's where God said through Paul, he said, remember, don't mock God. You will reap what you sow. So, 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 car- so some of the stuff, you have, so what we call karma, what the Eastern religions call karma, is they're really just defining an actual universal spiritual law of sowing and reaping. And God declared that at the end of the flood. God said, as long as the earth remains that day when Noah came out and built the altar, God speaks from heaven. As long as the earth remains, the world will operate on seed time and harvest, winter and summer, cold and heat, sowing and reaping, they shall not cease. And that's why later Paul says, don't mock God, whatever you sow, whatever you sow physically, whatever you sow in an attitude of the heart, Whatever you sow spiritually, you are sowing into the creation God make where the creation will reap it back to you. So that's why we don't return evil for evil. Because now I'm sowing evil and I'll reap back evil. Right? But if I sow good, but again, I want to make sure it's clear because sometimes this kind of stuff where you make it sound like you don't roll over like the dog and just let people take advantage of you. But you do set boundaries, you step back, and our heart of love is how do I do good? My constant prayer and question to God is how do I bless people? How do I do good? How do I do good to those who love me, like you guys that are here? How do I do good to those who don't love me? But my question is how do I do good? How, how do I, so I'm not going to return evil for evil. I'm going to look for ways to respond to evil with goodness. Right. Does that make sense? Okay. But, absolutely. Absolutely. And he'll give you an opportunity. And he'll give you a way to do it. Just, just believe God to show you, right? Does that, yes, ma'am. Sure. Mm-hmm. I apologize. And I haven't done anything. You know, I just went to work and did my job. 
And um, she broke and cried. Yeah, that's right. And it just melted her heart. And from that day forward, she just loved me. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because she, I mean, she was a church going Christian, you know, but she was miserable. Yeah. She had miserable. Absolutely. So she was back. back. And, and many times we have to realize, again, as we talk, especially for you young people that are talking possibly about bully situations. One thing you have to understand is, is you don't know where they're coming from. Right. Now, again, that doesn't mean I become somebody's whipping boy mm-hmm. and I take a beating. But I, I, I don't know where they're from. I don't know what's happening on their side. And they may just be getting out what's... And so we, we always keep that in mind as well to do. Yeah. Yeah. And she's got plenty of friends because she's always the one that people know that she can go to. That's right. And just be there. So, but what helps us in all of this is understanding, again, back, and we'll, we'll read some more, that I am free mm-hmm. from my sin. Mm-hmm. Right. I am free from what has bound me. Right. And even though I interact with people, I'm free from their sin. Right, because I don't have to pay for their sin. Now, they, again, they may come against me, but I am, again, I am free from sin. No longer has dominion over me. Mm-hmm. So when people come and treat me sinfully, I do not have to respond in kind. Mm-hmm. I actually get to respond from a different place. Right, I get to respond from my nature. Does that is this helping this morning? Is this okay? All right, so let's keep reading. We'll see how we get through. So it says in verse 10, for by his sacrifice, he died to sin's power once and for all, but now he lives continuously for the father's pleasure. I love this verse 11. So let it be the same with you. So let it be the same for you that now you live free from the power of sin and free unto the pleasure of your father. Amen. Since you are now joined with him, you must continually view yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal while living daily for God's pleasure in union with Jesus, the anointed one. Right? I love that. Say this. Say, I'm dead and unresponsive to sin. I am dead and unresponsive to sin. Say it one more time. Say, I am dead, I am dead and unresponsive to sin. Hallelujah. Praise God. I don't know. This makes me happy every time I read through this. I tell you, this, these are the, I'm sharing with you, this is what set me free. Mm-hmm. Sets me free every day. 
I am dead and unresponsive to sin. Sin may come a knocking. Temptation may come to the door. But I am dead and unresponsive. Huh? Do I know? You can't answer the door. That's right. I can't answer the door. I'm dead. I've seen a dead person answer the door. I love it. So I love this. No, verse 12. Sin is a dethroned monarch. So you must no longer give it an opportunity to rule over your life, controlling how you live and compelling you to obey its cravings and desires. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The king of sin is dead. Long live the king of righteousness. Amen. So then refuse to answer its call to surrender your body as a tool for wickedness. Instead, passionately answer God's call to keep yielding your body to him as one who has now experienced resurrection life. You live now for his pleasure, ready to be used for his noble purposes. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Now listen, now hear me real. You, you can yield to whatever you want to yield to. You can still yield to sin. So when I say you're free from sin, I am not saying that means you can't sin. You can do whatever you want to do. So let me ask you a couple of questions. So everybody knows Adam, right? The first Adam that got us all in this mess. Remember that guy? Yeah. We talked about him. We're going to have a good long talk with him when you get to heaven, right? I, mean, I think he's got the longest line. He's got the long. He's going to have to answer that why question, like for a, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of years, right? But imagine this week. So, so now let me ask you. This. So, when God made Adam, was Adam perfect? Yes. You don't know him. You don't know. Him. So no, but listen. So when God, when when God. When God made Adam, was Adam sin free? Yes. Did Adam have a sin nature? No. So how did that boy sin? A woman. No, woman. <laughs> now, Tabitha, you done gone to meddling right there. You just done, done turned this into something else. Right? <laughs> and Chris is over there pointing at Tabitha. <laughs> she said it. I didn't say it. I'm just it's the woman. <laughs> But that woman you gave me, right? no, that's, and that's a whole other, we'll need to talk about that, but that's a whole other day, right? But, let, but listen, so, so we would all agree Adam was perfect. Yes. Adam had no sin nature. So a, a perfect human being with no nature or inclination for sin has the ability to make a choice outside of his true nature. So that's the same pattern for you and I. You have been freed from sin. Peter said through these great and precious promises, you have become a partaker of God's divine nature. How much sin nature is in God's divine nature? So you have a divine sin-free nature from God. But just like first Adam, you can choose to act and make a choice contrary to your true nature in sin. Just praise God, it's a new and a better day that we don't have the consequences that Adam had in his day 
where if I do that, I'm kicked out from the presence of God. That's why what we said last Sunday, that's why that flowing atonement and advocacy of Christ is so important. Because if for some reason, for whatever reason, I, Brad, choose to act contrary to who I actually am in Jesus, that mistake no longer gets me permanently kicked out. Nor do I have to crucify again Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Amen. So can you still sin? Yes. yes, you can. You just don't have to. You're not, a slave to You're not a slave to it. You're not forced to do it. You have to understand every time you make a mistake, you chose to make that mistake. That is the honest truth. I wish... Huh? But we have the blood. Praise God. Absolutely. We have, a, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, who tells us, hey, remember, that's not you, who goes to the Father and says, hey, remember, he's one of us. Yeah, well, he not even forgot. I don't even want to say, I want to help his daughter not even say, I didn't even forget. I just was stupid. Can I just be honest? I was just, yeah. I was just and, and, and again, and that's how I talk to God myself. When I make mistakes, Brad, today, when I make mistakes, I go, oh, yeah, sorry. That was me being stupid. I have a question. Uh-huh. Okay, so I don't know what this verse is, but it says, if you willingly sin, mm-hmm. no more sacrifice for sin. Okay, now you're, that's right. In Hebrews chapter 6, it says, if we willingly choose to sin, there's no longer a sacrifice for sin that we can make for us. Let's unpack that just a little bit. Right. Let me first of all, have you ever sinned on accident? Most of the time. It's no, I'm not even saying most of the time. Have you ever sinned on accident? No. I've sinned, but not known that it was a sin. Does that mean? <laughs> it does. That's right. Okay, gotcha. So you sin like Paul. I did it innocently. I didn't realize I was committing a sin, but apparently I shouldn't have been killing God's people. <laughs> Right, and then, right, you know, but that's exactly right. So sometimes we might innocently sin, but you've never accidentally sinned. You again, you, you've never been the Britney Spears song. Oops, I did it again. It's never been an oops. It's never been an accident. I spilt the milk. I dropped the thing. I did whatever. No, 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 no. You made a choice to act contrary to your real and true self. That's what you did. That's what I did. That's just the truth. Now, to to question that, when you look at that, he's talking about something different. Uh, How many of you have heard recently there has been an increase of people walking away from their faith in Jesus? Have y'all been paying attention to some of the Christian news out there? It's just recently happened again yesterday. A guy that wrote the book or helped write the book, Desiring God, Mm -hmm. came out publicly yesterday and denounced Jesus. Mm -hmm. I am now no longer a Christian. Right. When, when you sin like that willingly, there is no further sacrifice for sin. So it's specifically talking about Yes. So here's the thing. Because what is going to sin? Is this all right? What is going to sin? Um, let me say it like this. Um, I think I have to use it about it. So let's, again, I'm trying to, the Yo Mama examples always help us so much, right? But let's, again, I commit adultery on Selena. I'm going to die. That's just what, I just know that's what's going to happen. That's just what's going to happen. She's going to kill me, right? So that's just, that's the arrangement we have. Do, huh? We'll help her chase you 
Yeah, I know, and, and, and she'll have a lot of volunteers, right? I mean, I would, I'd have to go to some far-flung country, you know, like the old Nazis from World War II and hide in South America somewhere, you know, and, and run, Forrest, run, you know, and so, because <laughs> I'm going to have a whole herd of people coming after me, right? Um, but put it this way, that sin of adultery, will that sin send me to hell? Well, even let's say I wasn't washing the blood. Let's say I'm, I'm pre-Jesus on this one. Say, I'm not even a believer yet. I'm just still that sorry scoundrel we were talking about earlier. My sin of adultery pre-Jesus, is it that sin that sends me to hell? No, it's the sin of not believing in Jesus. Exactly right. So the sin that condemns people to eternal judgment and punishment is the sin of what did you do with Jesus? Exactly right. That's why you read through Hebrews chapter 6, and Hebrews chapter 6 teaches us because now here's the thing okay because i know we got a lot of folks that come from my same background i am internally secure in jesus as long as i'm eternally secure in jesus <laughs> the moment i with the same degree of persuasion and faith that i accepted him reject him who else can be my sacrifice does that make sense? And again, please hear me. I'm not talking about, because this is how the other side, you know, there's, I talk about this all the time. For every mile of road, there's two miles of ditch, right? On one extreme ditch of Christianity is what we have called once saved, always saved, eternal security. I can accept Jesus and I never have to worry about what I do ever again. I can live any old way I want to. And I'm still going to make it. False doctrine. Other ditch of Christianity is over here with where I came from in good old Assemblies of God Pentecostalism, right? I say it like this. They kept us hanging out over hell by a shoestring, right? And Jesus with a big old pair of scissors waiting for you to make one mistake and he going to cut the shoestring. And you got to get saved all over again because I was taught you better not die with any unconfessed sin going on or you're going to wake up in hell. So you would go to bed at night and I would confess all the stuff I knew I did. And how many of you were like me? And just to cover all my bases, I would say, and Lord, if I did something and I didn't know it was wrong, but it was wrong, I ask you to forgive me for that one too. That's also false doctrine. Can I just be honest and shoot straight with you? That is not in the pages of scripture. Now in the middle of the road is this. I heard of the good news of Jesus Christ. I heard about what he said about himself, that he is God, that he came to earth as me, died as me, took my sin upon his sin-free person, took it all the way to hell, paid not only my physical punishment, but my eternal punishment in hell, removed from the devil the keys of death, hell, and the grave that bound me rose up from the dead, picked up his body in an act of supernatural power by the Holy Spirit, looked at me and said, will you trust me and believe me that I'll do the same for you? And I said, yes, sir, I'll be glad to and I'll follow you all the days of my life. In that moment, he made me just like himself. In that moment, he moved and dwelled on the inside of me and possessed me in the righteous sense of God Almighty. 
And then from that moment forward began to inspire me to follow him to tell other people. Does this make sense? If at any moment along my journey with the same measure of persuasion and conviction, I say you are not God. Your blood is the blood of a mortal mere human and it is not divine. Your sacrifice meant nothing and it saves no one. And you're still just a dead body in the grave somewhere. You are not divine. Then as the writer of Hebrews chapter 6 says, I trample underfoot the blood of my Savior. I count his sacrifice as useless. So therefore, if I sin willingly like that, what other sacrifice of sin can God send? That was a really good question. There is no other sacrifice that can come if I sin against belief. He is not talking about if I run out and I do something stupid and willfully sin. Because every stupid action Brad has ever done against his new nature has all been willful, <laughs> has all been cognizant, has all been me knowing the whole time I shouldn't have done it, has always been with the Holy Spirit sitting there watching me going, you done yet, dummy? <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, you know you're hurting yourself. You know you're hurting other people. Are you done yet, stupid? That's not who you are. Does this all make sense and help bring a balance to this? Mm-hmm. Sure, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Well, absolutely. Why aren't you glad God didn't give up? My, th- my thought, though, is remember what God said, though. Remember, he said, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Here is one of the high thoughts and high ways of God. He looks at you and says, Amanda, I made you sin free. You are absolutely free from your sin. I removed all of it from you. It no longer has control over you or binds you up in any way unless you choose to yield yourself again to it. So now, that's my high thought about you. Now here's my high way. Live that way. Begin to allow that reality to inspire you so that now, because Titus says this in his book. Titus says the grace of God has appeared to all mankind and has brought us salvation. And this grace teaches us two lessons. The grace of God teaches us to say no to unrighteousness and yes to righteousness. The grace of God is, teaches us. Do what now? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, the, and there is an unforgivable sin. It's called the rejection of Jesus Christ. That is the one unforgivable, blasphemous act against God. Yeah. What that one said actually was. But you know, to me, it was always saying there wasn't a God when we knew there was a God. But as I've gotten into the, I mean, from all my I feel like a lot of times those people never really did know. 
Exactly. Now, here's my personal belief. As we talk back to not leave these poor people, only one of two, again, the gentleman that we're talking about today, there's only one of two options that are possible with this man who came out again and rejected Jesus. Uh, again, I could name a litany of people who've done it. Marty Sampson from Hillsong just did it recently. Uh, Josh Harris out of the homeschool movement just did it a few months ago. There is a, 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 um, a um, tidal wave almost of people who are bailing on their faith. And there's only one of two options for these people. I am not God. I do not know. I do not know these people. I don't know them. I don't walk with them. I'm not their friends. I don't know their testimony. I can only know what they publicly stood up and said right? Here's one of two options. Either A, they genuinely believed and now they persuaded themselves and they genuinely don't. So for them, they have walked away from the faith. Now, I think I know Jesus well enough that he would let them walk back. (laughs) I believe Jesus would let if they would genuinely believe again, right? But they're not going to get saved any other way. They're going to have to come back to Jesus. Most of them, the danger in this is most of their language is, is they found another way. Mm-hmm. Now they're back in the law of self-righteousness. Mm-hmm. Or like you said, Tabitha, and John says this in his first letter, uh, the apostle John says, they departed from us because they were never part of us. And the reason why they departed is they were never a part. And that's also an option, Right that I tend to more myself, incline myself to out of grace and interaction than to come up and do what a lot of Christians are doing for these poor people, which is just lamb blasting them. I just sit there and say, man, they must not have been a part of the true church of Jesus because they walked away from Jesus, right? They, they just, must, I mean, so again, you can go to Bible school, you can get a PhD. You know what PhD stands for, don't you? Post hole digger. That's what that stands for. Right, you can get you yourself a PhD in DUMB, right, and 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 you can be anything on paper. That doesn't mean you're just as much as I say. I, you know, don't tell my wife this, but I went to McDonald's the other day. I didn't really. I'm just teasing. It's an okay. example, but I just thought I just thought I'd pick on her just a little bit because I knew I knew it would get her, and so. Um, <laughs> but but. <laughs> But let's just say, hypothetically, if I went to McDonald's, did that make me a hamburger? Exactly, right? How about the other day I went into the carport, did that make me a car? Right? Uh, This morning I went to Jack's, did that make me a biscuit? Just like going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Going to Bible school doesn't make you a Christian. Getting ordained doesn't make you a Christian. Does that make sense? This is all help. All right, let's. Oh, I got to land the plane, and then we got to do this because because I can tell the backside and the heart are talking to each other, right? <laughs> Remember that the heart can only receive what the backside can endure, right? So it says here. So he's a dethroned monarch. Verse thirteen. So then, refuse to answer its call to surrender your body as a tool for wickedness. Instead, passionately answer God's call to keep yielding your body to Him as one who has now experienced resurrection life. You live now for His pleasure, ready to be used for His noble purpose. Remember this: sin will not conquer you, for God already has. Amen. Ooh, oh, praise that. God. Amen. You are not governed by the law, but governed by the reign of the grace of God. Hallelujah. 
So what do we say then? Should we sin to our heart's content since there's, since there's no law to condemn us anymore? And I love this. What a terrible thought. <laughs> what a horrible thought. Do you not realize that grace frees you to choose your own master? But choose carefully for you surrender yourself to become a servant. Bound to the one you choose to obey. If you choose to love sin, it will become your master and it will own you and reward you with death. But if you choose to love and obey God, he will lead you into perfect righteousness. Notice it's about choice, right? I can choose who will be my master. Right? And thanks be to God, for in the past you were servants or slaves of sin, but now your obedience is heart deep, and your life is being molded by truth through the teaching you are devoted to. And now you celebrate your freedom from your former master, sin. You've left his bondage, and now God's perfect righteousness holds power over you as his loving servants. Amen. That's why one of my favorite titles for Jesus privately is I, I call him master. You're my master. Right? I know you're my father. I know you're my brother. I know you're my friend. But I also know you're my master. And what a loving master he is. Amen. Because he is not hard to please. Amen. I've used the familiar terms of servant and master to compensate for your weakness to understand. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Paul. Um, for just as you surrendered your bodies and souls to impurity and lawlessness, which only brought more lawlessness into your lives, so now surrender yourself as servants of righteousness, which brings you into deeper, true holiness. Praise God. Say this with me. Say, holy living, holy living is really easy. Because I am holy. For when you were bound as a servant to sin, you lived your lives free from any obligation of righteousness. How many of you, when you were unsaved, I know I'm, thank you for your time. How many of you, when you were unsaved, you, 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 just, you just struggled being righteous? You were just out there, I mean, and you, you would find yourself just doing righteous stuff. And it'd make you so mad because you weren't righteous. <laughs> right? That's what Paul was saying. He says, hey, listen, you were bound as a servant to sin. And so you just lived that way. And you lived free from any obligation of righteousness. So now the great thing about this verse is the converse is true. Now that you are, and he says that, so tell me what benefit issued from doing those things that are now you're now ashamed of. It left you with nothing but a legacy of shame and death. But now, as God's loving servants, you live in joyous freedom from the power of sin. You have no obligation to sin anymore. Amen. Do you see how he said that? If once I was a slave to sin... I had no obligation towards righteousness because sin was just my master. But now that I've been freed from sin and I'm over here in righteousness, I now know have no obligation to sin. Amen. All right. 
<laughs> da, 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 da. It says, but now you are God's loving servants, live in joyous freedom from the power of sin. So consider the benefits you now enjoy. You are brought deeper into the experience of true holiness that ends in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but God's lavish gift is life eternal, found in your union through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. You're free from your sin. And for time's sake, I could read on and I would love to chapter 7 because it just gets better. Because in chapter 6, and I encourage you to read chapter 7 and probably pay attention to the podcast this week. I'll read chapter 7 in the pastor in your pocket and unpack it a bit more from there and stuff. But look, but look at, if you look at chapter 6, talks about us who are people who were like the Romans. The Romans were complete pagans and had no connection to God's people. So he deals with people who are bound in that side. In chapter 7, he talks about himself and people who grew up in the, in the family of God, the Jews, and who were bound under the law. And he turns it. He does both sides. In chapter 6, he frees us from our sin nature as human beings. Put this back up here. Thank you. Right? In chapter 7, he talks about our freedom from the law. Hallelujah. And so here in chapter 6 and chapter 7, Paul completely unpacks our freedom. How many of you famously know what Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says? Why do you reckon he wrote therefore? Because there's there's So therefore, because of chapter 6, there's no condemnation to me from the sinful nature as a human being. Therefore, from chapter 7, there's no condemnation given to me now by a law that demands righteousness by law. Therefore, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, and you don't anymore because you believe in Jesus, but who walk after the Spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. Guys, listen to me. You are free. You are freer than maybe you've ever imagined. You are free from human sin nature. You are free from a righteous requirement to make yourself right by a law. You are free in the man, Jesus Christ. Amen. Eternally, totally, and completely free. To live now as a complete servant of righteousness. And just as much as we could stand back and say, when I was a sinner, I couldn't help myself, I just sinned. Now, because I am a saint, I can't help myself. I just do good stuff. I just, I just find myself doing good. I just find myself loving my wife. I just find myself loving my kids. I just find myself because I'm, I'm right with God. There's a new nature in me. You think God's struggling being holy? <laughs> do you, right? You think he's up there sweating big bullets going, I hope I don't mess up today. I really hope I don't make a mistake. You think, you think that's weighing on his mind? 
No, but because he is pure righteousness and pure holiness, he now can turn all of that rightness and that holiness to you. And now his mind can be filled with nothing but thoughts of rightness and holiness towards you. Amen. And if I'm a father, of, a child of my father, can I do the same thing? Amen. Well, Lord, we love you so much. So grateful. Lord, thank you for our church family. Thank you for these people. And Lord God, I just uh, let this dawn brighter and brighter. Lord, this is what you were saying when Paul prayed for the Ephesians, when he prayed and he said, I bow my knee to the God and the father of the church in whom the entire family is named. That's what he prayed when he prayed, Lord, open up the eyes of our hearts and help us see what is the hope of your calling. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, help us see how righteous we are. Help us see how free you have made us to be. Help us to see it. Lord, help us to believe it. Help us to just embrace it and to just accept it as what it is, the truth of your finished work in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Now, do you understand why the writer of Hebrews says, so just lay aside the weight in the sin that so easily besets you? Y'all remember that verse? Hebrews chapter 12, right? And I'll, and I'll read it as the... Hebrews, just real quick. Where are you at, Hebrews? Hebrews, James, is that right? Yep. Hebrews chapter 12. Here the writer says, he says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And you understand that? I mean, we, I think we've misinterpreted that. Do you understand those great cloud of witnesses are not looking over the grandstand of heaven, waiting to see what you'll do? The great witnesses are the ones who discovered what we're talking about, about righteousness by faith. And they're witnessing with you and saying it's true. <laughs> That's what they're witnessing. That it's true what Jesus did. So we are surrounded by a great cloud of people who've discovered what I've shared with you this morning. So let us then lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I love that verse. Notice that the writer didn't say, get yourself an intercessory group of people, help you get free from that thing. Notice he didn't say, go to a deliverance service, get that demon of whatever cast out of you. Come on now. <laughs> he just said, oh, you can identify a weight and a snare of sin that easily trips you up. Put it down. How hard is it for me to drop my Bible? That's what he's saying. Just drop it. Mm -hmm. Put it down because you've been freed from it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because you've been freed from that sin. Just, just drop it. Just don't pick it up no more. Lay it aside. Turn and run the race that's in front of you.